Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast. Release date Sunday the 25th of February 2024. Screen on. Connect me to Professor Max Fleming on the Shaman One station. Max Fleming. Chief Superintendent Pal Kenzie here, Professor. I've got Inspector Alice Okoro with me. We'll be docking very shortly. Hello, Nick and Benji. Hello, you lovely people. Oh. I talk like that to my dog sometimes. Hello. <laughs> I'm Benji Clifford. He's Nick Briggs. This is Big Finish Audiobooks, Audio Drama, and this podcast, all for the love of stories. Oh, well, yeah, it's lovely for you all to think of yourselves as Benji's dog. Um, <laughs> in a few moments, Benji and I will be reflecting on the sad news of the death of actor Pamela Salem and reflecting on her brilliance. After that, it'll be time for the Good Review Guy review the reviews of Torchwood SUV, starring Gareth David Lloyd and Nyoko Mori. Something's transforming the atmosphere of the planet. Then we go behind the scenes with the latest Star Cops Blood Moon release. Out this Monday, the 26th of February, it's entitled Daughters of Death and features Rosa Kajuri. And if that name sounds familiar to you, her mum is Camille Kajuri. Ah. Hello, my name's Rosa Kajuri. I'm playing Sophie. Following that, it's listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. And what will be in our magic inbox today? Well, we'll be finding out. Oh, and then it'll be time for the Randomoid Selectatron delivering a random release with a 25% discount dutifully attached to it by Big Finish content manager Jackie Emery. Uh, still no clue what it'll be, so once again, here's a Futuroid Projectatron clip. Lock manipulation is safe cracking in its purest form. And finally, as always, we round off the podcast with a free 15 minute drama tease. And this week, it's from Star Cops Blood Moon. Two Daughters of Death by Nicola Baldwin. No! No! Max! Max! Oh, terrible to hear the news about uh, Pamela Salem dying. Um, let's first of all uh, hear from Pamela. Um, and uh, Countermeasures producer, because she featured in the series Countermeasures for us, among other things, and director Ken Bentley and her co-stars Karen Gledhill and Simon Williams. I am Pamela Salem and I play Professor Rachel Jensen. Is there anyone else you'd like to invite? No, it's just... Still not entirely comfortable around me, Rachel. Hmm? I feel I'm coming back to a family, my family. I actually begin to think I, I own this laboratory for real. <laughs> Come to my laboratory. You come back here. This is like the lab. And um, every time I get the scripts, I think, now what happens to this lot? I really want to know what happens. I'm absolutely fascinated where it's going to go. But it does, it does feel as if we've been working together for years, which we have. <laughs> and so I'm enjoying it tremendously. Pamela Salem. Ah, oh, she's our ray of Miami sunshine, isn't she? <laughs> um, Pam flies in from Miami to record countermeasures which I take as a great compliment that she flies thousands of miles just to be with us yep. um, she's she's always said that uh, doing this is very much like being with a family and I think it's true isn't it actually it's a really lovely family feel on doing this. yeah it feels the same from from um, my point of view as well I can't I'm sure I can speak for you actually and say say from our point of view she and, and I think Pamela's delightful and that that lovely energy that she carries with her I think 
um, certainly contributes enormously to making it feel like that. There's incredible calm around her as well. Yeah, isn't there? yeah. Kind of it's a sort light. of zen-like quality. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's, a, there's a lovely contrast, really, a complementary contrast between all of them. They all bring in their their, their own their own energy into the into the um, recording studio, and they're they're just they're so delightfully complementary that they all they all sort of fire off each other in 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 their different ways. Um, but it but it all sparkles as a result, and is is an enormous amount of fun. Yes, I think what's really nice is these characters have got more complex and deeper, I think, as the, the writers have sort of got to know our, the way we work with each other and maybe, you know, their imaginations are running riot and um, it's become more and more interesting, you know, to, to pull these little things out. What I loved is, I mean, I, another thing was the audience is picking it all up. And even in America, some people would say, we loved countermeasures. And I was saying, oh, that's fantastic, you know, that it's it's really obviously hitting a market and when you think they're just listening to voice so it's terrific that they're picking up these little nuances and they're more this time and hopefully more next time and we get a we get a chance to do them which makes it more rounded characters for me you know more more fulfilling to do each time pamela is everyone's fantasy of um the cool sophisticated no-nonsense woman who everybody really rather wants to to make her laugh or or ruffle her hair a bit. She's got this icy, cool, efficient quality that comes from a, a, a wonderfully articulate voice. She's a joy to work with. And, of course, in real life, she's completely giggly and lovely. I adore Simon, except that all my makeup runs when I'm working with Simon. He makes us laugh so much. Then you go and say, have some photographs taken, and we have to rush to the ladies to put our makeup back on again because... <laughs> He is a natural wit, Simon. He really is, as you know. <laughs> he made us laugh all those years ago, and I, he makes us laugh even more now. He gets away with murder now. He gets away with more murder than he used to. I don't know how he does it. I'm trying to learn the trick. <laughs> so that's Simon for you. And he lifts my spirits to work with him. Well, Pamela is just the most unchanging person. It's extraordinary. Every year I see her, and even from when I worked with her all those many years ago, she just doesn't seem to change. She's so gracious and thoughtful. There's something almost regal about her. I think I find her very generous, very easy, easy to work with. Um, has, I think also completely inhabits the character of Rachel. And we both love dogs, so that helps. Benji, were you ever in the studio when Pamela was there? I think possibly once. Yes. Um, and she seemed very nice when I was there. Um, you know, very friendly. I mean, I've always had a soft spot for Pamela and the whole of the, the countermeasures team because that was my first big finish job. Yeah. So I'm always going to, you know, and, and what that, that meant to me in working on that. Um, but she's a legend. You know, she's been in so many things and so many great television programs over the years and has been fantastic to Big Finish. Yeah, I urge people to go to bigfinish.com and have a look at the news story about it because there's some lovely information about her life and career and lovely quotes from David Richardson and uh, Karen Gladehill and uh, Ken Bentley. Really lovely. Um, and, of course, she you know, also played Toos in Robots yes, of Death. Yes, um, I think, you know, she, was, she did uh, so many glamorous roles back in the day, but there was always a really... Uh, they were always really strong characters, and the, and and to meet her, I can't tell you how easygoing she was, 
and and everyone keeps saying and people say stuff about this when people die you know like that oh they brought sunshine into the room but it was really true with her i can't think of her not smiling as just a person pleasant, just a, a very yeah. pleasant person and 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 so good yeah, you know, and mean, always wanting to listen to people. If anyone spoke to her, just you know, she'd immediately stop and fix them with her gaze, and she would really be listening. Um, yeah, lovely person, and we're so lucky to have um, you know had her involved in Big Finish. And as is mentioned in the clip there, but I don't know whether you knew Benji. She she used to fly over. Did from she really Miami to do countermeasures because oh, she enjoyed her. it so much, and that was you know. We didn't pay for the flights. That's incredible. She, of her, she really. came to do it. As, yeah. I suppose it's like that's Doctor Who, isn't it? It's you know, it's it's a family, you know, it's a sort of strange, strange way. And it's, uh, I mean, she was you know incredibly uh, lucky to be in two what I would consider to be iconic kind of stories. You know, Robots of Death is is you know it's it's uh, one of Tom Baker's most most remembered stories. I would say. Yeah. Well, that's uh, great, yeah. And Remembrance of the Daleks is definitely, you know, a standout 80s story. Definitely. Um, and so so to have those, but she's been in, you know, other great, like Seven, Out of the Unknown. Um, I loved her and she was in the Tripods, which is a personal favourite for well, me. There you go. You see. Um, what did she play in the Tripods? She was uh, in the family of, um, uh, it, who were based in uh, the Chateau Ricardo um, over oh, that oui. way. Um, it's, a lo- it's a long story, but she's just... She's just really, you know, again, one of those people just incredibly good at what she does. And, and played Money Penny in. in that uh, Sean never, Connery never, never say, say never again. again. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a rival James Bond faction, yeah, but she acquitted herself very nicely as but Money you could, Penny. You yeah. could absolutely see, like, when you when you think about casting somebody, she absolutely could do Money Penny. That's, yeah, it seems like yeah. quite, a, um, quite an obvious casting in a way, really. Well, there we have it. Um, we're, we're all very sad about Pamela dying. And um, as I say, just feel so lucky to have, you know, um, had her involved in our productions. Well, right then. Time now for our good review guide, finding the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them. For you. Well. And as promised this week, we're looking at Torchwood SUV from Big Finish Productions. Minor rift spike. Minor incursion. Let's go home. Nothing came through. Something came through. Torchwood SUV. That misses a rapidly self-replicating terraforming system. Something's transforming the atmosphere, the planet. Today the valleys, tomorrow Cardiff... Wednesday, the world. Does it know we're inside? Maybe it's just curious. Ah! Ah! Trying to get in. Yes. Normally armies unite to defeat me. They fail. Tonight, just the two of you stand against me. What chance does your world have? There's an alien invasion going on and we're stuck in a car. No power, no phone signals, surrounded by poison gas and monsters. How's that for a summary? You left out the bit about us slowly suffocating in a gay popemobile. Yeah, yeah I did. Big finish for the love of stories. We're gonna die. No defenses, no weapons, no crisps. 
Just go to bigfinish.com and type SUV into the search pane at the top to find this one. And first up, it's Peter Nolan. Hey! There he is, back again. Yeah. Uh, Any updates on his uh, career? On his career, yes. Well, um, last I checked, he was uh, he was trying to revive Supermarket Sweep um, with Peter Nolan. <laughs> he, 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 the condition was... City in it as well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Adorable Sue. And, Ra- and, and Ramsbottom, Ramsbottom the Snake. <laughs> and Little Cousin Scampy. And uh, yes, the, the, the list goes on. Um, yes, but Calico I think- Joe. I bet you've never heard of Calico <laughs> Joe, have you? No, Calico not. Joe was, uh, was uh, a sooty. <laughs> can't believe we're talking about sooty and sweep now. Because you said supermarket sweep. What's the matter with me? Uh, Calico Joe was a character in the sooty annuals. Calico Joe. Yeah. Hold on a sec. I think I've got a sooty annual here. <laughs> no. I, I loved sooty. Oh, I'm waiting to <laughs> What Calico that? Joe is a fully clothed cat who smokes, always stands <laughs> erect as a biped, and is the normal villain. Look at that. That's incredible. I've got a sooty annual here. I oh, loved sooty when I was a kid. Me too. When I was when I was a kid, sooty was with Matthew Corbett, who is a, an icon. Yeah, Oh, he was with Harry Corbett when I watched it. Harry Corbett. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Matthew Corbett, you see that. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. And it says, uh, love to Nikki from Nanny and Gram- Grampati or something. Well, it's my granddad, anyway. <laughs> Grampati. Yeah. So that was a long time. So that would have... I can't find a copyright line anywhere. That must be uh, the 60s, surely. Looks that's a very 60s font. 1966 it is. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And it's got that horrible sort of slightly mouldy paper smell. Oh, yes, I know it well. (laughs) How I like my paper smell. (laughs) Same as my Doctor Who 1973 annual smells like that. You just know that, you know, in two years' time, it will just all turn to dust overnight. Yeah, gone. Anyway, sorry about the supermarket sweep. No connection to Sooty at all. Oh, no, I was, uh, quite frankly, I was very much enjoying talking about Sooty. Did Peter Nolan ever have any interaction with any puppets? Um, That's a very interesting uh, thing, actually, because um, I think, didn't he have Rolo the Dinosaur back in about (laughs) 74, I think it was? And uh, it was for that that brief stint when he did the advert for Rolos. Do you remember? And the dinosaur would say... Can I have a Rolo? And he'd say, "No, no, you can't have a Rolo." And that, that was the that was the catchphrase, and it was it didn't go down too well. Um, no, no. But, you know, I think you know everywhere he goes now, people, you know, if he wants to buy any Rolos, they would say, "No, no." Uh, it's a bit of a problem for him actually. Um, remember I messaging me Rolo. I love Rolos. Rolos are underrated. Can I just put that out there? Rolos are underrated. Are they international? Will our international listeners know what a Rolo is? I want to find out. I'm, I'm going to buy some today. God. That's a fact. It's a Rolo. Well, it's not a fact. It hasn't happened, but it's a prediction. I'm fairly confident. Made by Nestle. Uh, yes. I believe were possibly round trees at some point. Yeah. Um, let's have a look. American equivalent of Rolos. Are they called Rolos? Rolo. They'll be have some. They'll have some other name, won't they? It'll be like uh, Google Cluster or something. Um, <laughs> that's that's my stage name. <laughs> it says that, that Rolo versus Rolo. This is oh, this is interesting. Ooh. 
Yes. It's the Battle of the Rollers, a review from the British Candy Connoisseur. It's the Battle of the Rollos. In the left corner, we have the British original created by Macintosh in 1937. Um, And in the right corner, we have the American Rolo made under Lysa by Hershey since 1969. It's not sounding good. So that, but they are both exactly the same in terms of the look, and it's the same logo, more or less. So yeah, Americans do have access to to Rolos. So just nip down. <laughs> well to done. See what I bet th- you're all very glad about that. We'll have the overall section here. Despite not being possessive of the last Rolo or any Rolo, to be fair, I found myself enjoying the English-born Swiss-owned incarnation over the American-made one. My preference, in all probability, is due to the more familiar flavors found in the British Rolo. There we go. Uh, well, was it overall, was it? It wasn't an overall. I was hoping for an overall. But um, I saw a review the other day, and they had overall at the start of two paragraphs, Good one Lord. after the other. That's <laughs> overkill. Overkill. <laughs> that is indeed overkill. Well, there we, ha- there we have it, Rolos. Anyway, I should probably get over to what Peter Nolan was saying. I mean, that, was a fa- that was the best tangent we've ever done, I feel. No, no. Um, yes, it was. Um, <laughs> well, the original casting decisions by the BBC Wales team back in 2006 has always been one of Torchwood's greatest assets. And that's proven yet again as David Lloyd and Maury's charisma uh, and humour make two people bickering in a car alongside occasional interjections by Havers' onboard computer a thoroughly entertaining hour. That was the name of uh, his brief radio show back in 82. A thoroughly entertaining hour with Peter Nolan. Um, they possibly, this isn't one to listen to while stuck in traffic. Was Fair. he stuck in traffic? I mean, we have to know, Peter. Perhaps he was on the, on his way to, to Nestle to try and get his job back. <laughs> uh, SciFiBulletin.com, just moving on from that. Alistair Stewart says, This story is so good, so well written, directed and acted that it contextualises, which I nearly read properly, the wildly e- uneven first season of the show. Controversial. It makes everything work in service to an inventive story that includes a wildly inventive... Ooh, double use of the word inventive villain and a great cameo from nigel havers also crisps are vital well that's just a general it's rule truth. i would say saying, actually yeah. alistair yeah as they should be witty inventive spiky humane and dark this is a great story executed perfectly at every level what better recommendation over and above 10 out of 10 which is he's alistair's given us so thank you so much brilliant Fantastic. Well, we got one more here from Tony Filer, son of uh, Bill Filer, and the Exxons, uh, WarpedFactor.com. For three, I was about to say for 3,000 years. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> for a three-handed piece, SUV yes. is astonishingly accomplished. Mm-hmm. Delivers its characterization and its drama with aplomb and leaves you feeling like you've just run five miles after Christmas dinner. Breathless, winded, and strangely virtuous. The choice of early period Tosh and Yanto allows for an effective exploration of their insecurities about themselves and each other. Mm-hmm. And the triple threat alien menace is delicious, relentless and dark. Torchwood SUV will make you smile to begin with, then tear away your security blanket and push you into an insane race against the clock. Against the limitations our heroes believe they have. Save the world, armed with only an SUV and some strong opinions about crisps. That's Torchwood. <laughs> what a lovely is. review, really. Mm. And Tony always delivers a corker, doesn't he? And when someone says with a plum, I always 
think with a plum. With a plum, <laughs> yes, no, yes. With a plum, like someone's bought. And it's I see in my mind's eye a, li- a little brown plastic, brown paper bag with oh. plums, you know, and you, you rustle inside to find the, the, the ripest plum. That's nice. You, know, you don't want a hard plum. No, you know, I mean, nobody wants. What's a hard happened plum. to me? Why am I? Why am I talking about this? I mean, the only, the only when I think of plums, I just think Benji's of, caught the plum disease. I yes. think of an episode of Chuckle Vision where they have to pick some plums, and it stars that man from Blake Seven episode two, who's in charge of the, um, who's in charge of the freighter prison ship. Oh, was he also the one in Face of Evil? Yes, he was. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I know yes. exactly who you mean, and I saw him in an episode of uh, Department S the other day. He's great, actually. He's, he's, we can't he, think of his name, though, can we? He's really... I, I did know his name. Um, Louise Jameson always speaks very highly of him. He's a... Re- Leslie, I think, his name. Leslie... Um, he's really he's really nice. Um, he seems really nice, anyway. Pick your own chuckle vision. I'd look up Face of Evil if I were you. <laughs> no, I, this is this is a very specific... Leslie Schofield. There we go. Leslie Schofield. Brilliant. He has, okay. he has a great line in it where he says, Ear! Those are my plums. Exactly like that. Um, right, moving Amazing. on. Amazing. Anyway. It was like being there. It was uh, there. On, on social media, uh, at YazLoveBot, Tor- this is all in capitals. Torchwood SUV was so good. Yanto and Tosh mean so much to me. And then what is that little thing? It's like a heart, isn't it? But they've extended the heart. With oh, more it's threes. a heart. Yeah, yes. Yes. Yeah. I always think it looks a bit like an ice cream if you tilt your head, you see. I didn't know. what well, I thought it was like some kind of formula or algebraic... You know, yes, anyways. it's the special torch with algebraic matter. <laughs> uh, next week, we'll be reviewing the reviews of another torture. This time, it's The Unbegotten. Well, coming up soon, listeners' emails and the randomoids electron, but first... Let's go behind the scenes with Star Cops Blood Moon 2, Daughters of Death. I'm Helen Goldwyn and I am the director of Star Cops. At the start of episode two, obviously we're coming off the back of the big reveal at the end of episode one. So with that going on in the background, the team are sent out to a, um, a laboratory in space to investigate a quite unusual case. There's been a member of the team in this lab who's been injured very badly in a, in a bit of a freak accident and there's something a bit suspect about it so they're going out to get more detail. And they meet the head scientist Max Fleming who is clearly obsessed with his work to a slightly unhealthy degree. You know, clearly brilliant but, but obsessed with the exploration and the... Um, the testing and the development that they're doing on this station and it soon emerges that there's something rather more sinister than uh, than it claims to be going on. My name is Nicola Baldwin and I'm a writer. The title comes from the fact that when cells divide they produce daughters. Shaman One isn't only cultivating protein crystals for research, it seems to be growing deadly bugs to test on them too. A whole unit of category four, whatever that means. Hangar 3 has these so-called Daughters of Death. I loved inventing Shaman 1, this huge, empty, orbiting labyrinth of a lab where the action takes place. The inspiration for my story is the first Britain in space, Helen Shaman, OBE. Not long after when Star Cops was on TV, she applied to take part in Project Juno, 
and went on to become the first woman crew member of the Mir space station. Helen Sharman was an industrial chemist and she won a place on this unique partnership program and got to join the Soviet Union's cosmonaut program. While on Mir, she cultivated crystals and seedlings and she discovered how protein crystals grow faster and replicate quicker in zero gravity. My storyline imagines Helen Sharman's experiments 40 years into a Starcop's future being conducted on an industrial scale and our star cops get involved after a routine accident inquiry reveals some sinister secrets. My name is Andrew Smith. I'm one of the script editors on Star Cops. It's always great to be back with the Star Cops. It's a really great pleasure to be giving lines to particularly, you know, our, our regulars from the TV series. But those characters that, we, that we've created as well, we know of Alice on board as well, played by Lindsay, and Davis is just lovely to write for. And then Trevor comes in and totally knocks out of the park with just that, that diva's character. But it's great and uh, re- really, really good. I also really enjoyed writing an investigation led by Kenzie and Alice. Their characters and their approaches are so different. And in this story, they're really pushed to their limits and have to draw upon both their strengths to work together. I'm Linda Newton and I play Chief Superintendent Pal Kenzie. They go off on, a, on an adventure she and Alice, which is nice. They get to do some work together. And Kenzie obviously has the experience and the seniority. So there's that aspect of, of her leading. And then they go to a, a very interesting company that is growing protein crystals in a weightless environment. But that's not all they're doing. And um, there is something more sinister going on, as there so often is in space. There's a whole other level of business going on that doesn't have the best interests of humanity. And a very um, arrogant, controlling, possibly slightly misogynistic man running it, uh, who's extremely patronising, but it doesn't really work with Alice and Kenzie, and certainly not Kenzie. She doesn't like to be patronised. Hi, I'm Lindsay Morrell and I play Alice Okoro. We need to find the professor and ask him some questions. It's a large area, this station. We'll split up, but stay in touch. Right. So this is her first accidental investigation, as she says, and she basically ends up in the same situation that the the person that they're trying to investigate what happened to happened to. So, yeah, I'm not sure if this helps solve the case, but they are getting closer to figuring out this character, Max Fleming, who they come across, who um, is not giving much away, but is also not hiding very well how he feels about their investigating and being in um, his space. Yeah, so she gets herself into a very tricky, sticky position. But as always, the Star Cops manage to help her get out and, yeah, they continue and get to the bottom of the case, which they do. I think there's a lot of opportunity for a nice relationship to develop between Alice and Kenzie. And who knows, Alice may not put up with quite as much from from Colin as Kenzie does because Kenzie and Colin have known each other a lot longer. But um, Kenzie's got to kind of guide Alice with what the team's like and what the team dynamics are like, I think. She can feel very safe with them. I think the most recent series are showing how caring, loving, loyal the, the whole Star Cops team are with one another. You can see there's, there's moments where she's always wanting to dig a bit deeper and look at the different angles that you can approach something to find out more. Some of the things that she comes up against 
there's not much information, but she's always uh, looking a bit deeper and manages to find out more to support the investigation. So, yeah, I think she's got a nice level of intelligence for the Star Cops. Just go to bigfinish.com and type daughters into the search pane at the top to find this one. And that's out this Monday on the 26th of February, no less. Right now, though, it is time for... I've just got to say, it started raining here and I've come to the shed without any anti-rain gear. It's raining here as well. There's a man at the bus stop looking rather disappointed with himself. Yeah, he's got no hat. Can I show you? Yeah, yeah. Show me the man this far. Let's see the man at the bus stop. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This is this is great on audio. Oh yeah, I can just tell by his body language. (laughs) He's shifting from foot to foot. Like this is. Should I just run home, or am I going to just stand here? here? (laughs) He's going to get soaked to the skin, isn't he? I love that. This poor stranger's just just been seen across across the country, and now someone's filming me. He's thinking, Um, "I um, yeah, I'm going to have to really run up the garden after this." Anyway, I should say that it's listeners' email. And you don't have to stand at a bus stop to send us an email, but I do think it's actually quite a good thing to do because it's obviously, you know, waiting for a bus is boring. There's not a lot to do. Why not pick up your phone, send an email to podcast at bigfinish.com. And if you're lucky, and if you're very lucky, it might get read out. And that's exactly what Joshua Duffy did. Lucky Duffy, they call him. Um, (laughs) Subject to this one is best of British 2023 results and anniversary. Best of Big Finish, I think we're fine. Best of British. Yes, I'm. I'm thinking about plums again. Um, just you can imagine <laughs> that. On the, you plums. can imagine that on the bag of a plum, can't you? Know, best of British fine produce. Best Definitely. of big finish 2023 re- results and anniversaries galore. Hi, Nick and Benji. Brackets. Hi there. Hi there. I'm happy to reveal to you the results of the best of big finish 2023 polls. The winners are the Diary of River Song, Friend of the Family, and the Omega Factor, the House that wasn't haunted ah huge congratulations to david richardson and tim foley for producing and writing both sets ken bentley and barnaby k for directing howard carter and to you nick for composing the music and to everyone else for all your hard work on them i've included the results with this email I've noticed the next few years there will be a lot of anniversaries coming up, like this year we have Santarans versus Rutans and the Quinn Dilemma for the Santarans and the Sixth Doctor, uh, but also in December we have the 50th anniversary of the Fourth Doctor, then next year will be the 20th anniversary of Modern Doctor Who and the Ninth and Tenth Doctors. <sighs> 2026 will be the 60th and 30th anniversaries of the Second and Eighth Doctors, and the Cybermen, and then 2027 will be the 40th and 60th anniversaries of the Seventh Doctor, the Yeti, and the Ice Warriors. Crikey. <laughs> uh, that's a lot of anniversaries coming up. I mean, yes. petrol stations around the world are going to run out of flowers very quickly. Um, <laughs> the, this makes me wonder will there be any special releases for these anniversaries in the years to come? Sincerely, Joshua Duffy. Well, really good question. First of all, I'd say that. Um, the best BF uh, non-Doctor Who results has been attached to this email as a, um, uh, an Excel file, mm-hmm. but uh, we haven't been able to activate the link, so can't 
Don't it know remains what to do about that. a mystery. Uh, a mystery. I can't even remember, you know, on what basis this was judged. You know, was it just two people voting or two million or two thousand? Or so, two yeah, million? I mean, I don't know. Or Tooth Fairy. Um, so That too. Yeah, yeah. With regard to all those anniversaries, I think we can quickly see that we'd just be releasing nothing but anniversary releases. I, I think it's fair to say some of those things will have more than small nods to them, if that's in any way an adequate response, Joshua. Moving on to the next email swiftly, uh, Darren Harris has written it, written in. <laughs> what, what kind of word is that? Written <laughs> in. Rotanin. My name is um, John Rotanin. <laughs> Loving the new Thunderbirds is the subject. Hi, Nick and all. You don't even get a name check. Right? I'm, I'm all. I'm well, just, you're everyone. I'm just yes. bunched in with everybody else. Charming. Charming. <laughs> it's a whole crowd of you. Dare you, Darren. Uh, I'm, li I'm listening to the new Thunderbirds as I write this. I'm absolutely loving it. The books you have adapted have been good, but I love these one-hour-length forecast audio dramas. Uh, they are, for me, how Thunderbirds should be. In the story The Trapped Spy, I'm going to go out on a limb and hazard a guess that Com Commander Shaw is the same Commander Shaw who's in charge of the Wasps. He absolutely is. I came in and did a special cameo. Because I do, my Commander Shaw. <laughs> uh, if so, any chance of a Thunderbirds Stingray crossover? Uh, probably not. Um... Uh, there are all sorts of rules about the uh, the IP for the Jerry Anderson things. Uh, hmm, Titan and the Hood. Oh, yeah. Hmm, Titan and the Hood. I can't do the Hood, but I can do Titan. Oh, the things people write about are getting close to midnight. Yeah, but uh, just have a look. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's true. It's 23.47 when you sent this, yeah. Anyway, just wanted to write in and say just how much I'm enjoying this new box set of Thunderbirds. Take care and keep up the good work. That, Darren, that's really nice of you to write in and say that. Sorry we can't, probably can't do a crossover, but who knows in the fullness of time. I would not never rule it out. Rotanin. Uh, finally, <laughs> um, Aidan Charlie here is one. The subject of this is Tom Baker. Hi, Nick and Benji. Hi there. Um, between today's announcement that the Paternoster Gang, the case book of Paternoster Row, will feature Tom Baker as the fourth Doctor, and the fact that I purchased every single Fourth Doctor adventure in the recent Tom Baker birthday sale. Yes, you read that right. Every. Every. Um, it got me thinking. The Fourth Doctor Adventures range is currently listed up to the end of Series 13, and I was just wondering whether there are any plans for more beyond this. I know that this range is recorded well in advance of release, so if there were going to be any more, they probably would have been recorded already. I just wondered whether the adventures with Harry and Naomi will be the last we hear of the Fourth Doctor's adventures. I'm sure the indomitable Fourth Doctor will continue to pop up in other places, like the Paternoster Gang or Classic Doctors, New Monsters, etc. Uh, but I'm sure I'm not alone in saying that I always hopes, hoped for four in Sarah Jane box set someday. As always, Aidan Gula. Oh, well, Aidan... Uh... Yeah, there's more than <laughs> Series 13. There's loads more recorded and all sorts of interesting team-ups. And I've got a funny feeling you won't be disappointed. Um, that's it for the emails this week. Keep them coming. We love them. Remember, there's a tease of Star Cup's Blood Moon 2 coming up at the end of the podcast. But before that, it's time for... The Randomoid Selectatron, where we randomly select a big finish release and offer you a 25% discount on it! That's what we've gone and done, and this one is Doctor Who 2.4, Crime of the Century. 
crime of the century. It stars Sylvester McCoy. And it's got a Beth Chalmers on the cover as well. From the Lost the lo- Stories. Oh, it's the Lost Stories. The Lost Stories. Not The Lost Island. Do you remember the theme tune for that? The Lost the Island. Yes, I remember you sending that to me. And be- <laughs> it just and, goes and, on forever. <laughs> it's that one. It's like, going down in the sea. Da, da, da. <laughs> and now we've sung this song. You didn't watch the episode because all the information you need is in here. Um, right. Uh, so, yes, this, of course, has got Beth Chalmers in it as Rain. Um, not the climatic condition, uh, I mean, <laughs> the character. Anyway, here's the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, The Lost Stories. Crime of the century. Lock manipulation is safe cracking in its purest form. No specialist tools are required, just a notebook, a pen, and the stethoscope I got from a nice medical student I once met at a party in Holland Park. First... We need to find out how many wheels there are in the wheel pack. Who told you how to do that? Someone my father knew. Excuse me, I know this is your job and I'm sure you know best, but don't you think you should start shooting at them? I would like to find these demons at the point of my blade. Nasiko Maya. Those things down there are the Metatraxi. They are a proud alien warrior race with a strict code of conduct. Nasiko Maya. Warriors! We are warriors! Nasiko Maya. That artifact is a weapon. A high energy weapon. Nasiko Maya! You must leave this world immediately. The hair on the back of my neck stood up when you said that. Excellent! This could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Lovely stuff with Sylvester, Sophie, and Beth there. Brilliant. And, and of course, written by Andrew Cartmel, uh, yeah. who always has a master plan. Um, if you, what a legend. You, what an absolute legend. Um, a great release, quite frankly. If I were you, and, and I'm not, but if I was, I would yeah. say get on this one. Definitely. Now, listen, uh, I'm going to send an email to uh, Jackie Emery so that she can put this offer live on the Big Finish website. And while I'm doing that, I would like you, Benji, to... Um, to no, no, Nick, to- Nick, Nick, there's no messing around here. We've got to crack on now. So go to bigfinish.com. Right? Yeah, when you're I mean. on bigfinish.com, you head straight over to the podcast section, right? No, don't do that. Do this. Once you're on the podcast section, look under the picture of us. There's a thing that says read more. You read more, right? Don't deviate. Read more. It says there, click here and enter the code BUCKUP. That's B-U-C-K-U-P. All capital letters. No full stop. Enter that in. You'll get your discount. Boom. Done. Wow, that's great. There we go. I just wanted to say that I accidentally nearly sent that email to Jake Dudman <laughs> when I typed in JA. His was the first email address. You imagine him getting a thing saying, uh, this is the Randomoid Selectron release, and, and Jacob going, um, Thanks. Yeah, cheers. Nick's finally lost the plot. Yeah. Nick, are you trying to get me to buy it or something? Is this, <laughs> yeah. a, is this a hard sell, Nick? 
Cold Calling, Jacob Dudman. Uh, admirable work, Ran. Uh, at this stage, it looks like next week's podcast will feature the fourth Doctor, Storm of the Sea Devils, and who knows what else? Probably An umbrella, the, hopefully, if it's going to be possibly. a storm. Yeah, oh, it's stopped. I can, I, can get, I can get to the house without getting wet. Anyway, and, sorry. And the man on. has caught his bus. So all is well oh, in the land it's of... nice, isn't it? The land when of public transport and rain. Well, in the meantime, though, it only remains me to say that this edition of the Big Finish podcast was presented by me, Benji Clifford, and him, Nick Briggs. Yes. Nick also wrote, produced, and edited it. And, of course, Benji and I did this for the love of stories. And finally on the Big Finish podcast, Star Cops Blood Moon 2, Daughters of Death by Nicola Baldwin. Inspector Alice Okoro, ISPF. I don't know what to tell you. At that time, I hadn't worked with Inspector Devis long. I do know this. Following the events of the Devereux murder, it was a huge shock for him to learn that he had a daughter. It affected him. Anyone could see that. Aside from anything to do with the investigation, in one day, his sense of himself, his life, his past and even his future changed. But on that day, I didn't observe him to be anything other than completely professional. We were assessing a new case, an accident investigation on the Shaman One Orbital Laboratory. No! No! This is a picture of the injured woman from her personnel file. Jessie Martin, lab assistant on the Shaman One. She's currently unconscious in the station's medical unit. So, what do we got? The details are pretty sparse. She was in one of the labs and somehow became trapped in a chamber when a hatch sealed and it was washed through with cleaning chemicals. No one was with her at the time. She was found shortly after by her co-worker, Max Fleming. Also her boss. The joys of a two-person laboratory. Anyway, something happens in the lab. Perhaps she triggered an emergency procedure, causing the hatch to seal? Suggesting she accidentally did something with the... Oh, what did you say they're growing on, Shaman One? Zero-gravity protein crystals for pharmaceutical research. Very worthy. What you watching? Anything good on the telly? Colin, hi. We're reviewing an incident on Shaman One. Nathan mentioned it. I said butchers, eh? Oh, look, you can leave this to us. You got heaps going on, mate. Define heaps. Your mind's elsewhere. Kenzie and I can handle this. This awkward bout of touchy-feely co-workery has given me an itch. 
I found out I've got a daughter, not incurable cancer. There isn't a lot you can add right now. It's in hand. Nathan sent Paul groundside to speak with Jesse Martin's parents. And Alice and I are going out to Shaman One. It's their third accident in 18 months, Nathan says. Careless or negligent. That's why Alice and I are going out to the station to establish the facts on this one. We'll interview Jessie Martin when she comes round. I tell you what, if you could be on hand here for any support we might need, I'd appreciate it. Sure thing. This is my first accident investigation. At this stage, it's an accident investigation. And if that changes? Suspect every bugger. That's our job. My office. Better than an interview room, I guess. Sit. So, Sophie Knox. Just Sophie's fine. You know who I am? My dad's boss. Is he in trouble? No, you are. Fabricating lunar accreditation and a whole digital identity to go with it, that's a sophisticated deceit. That your family on screen? That's work. Those smiley kids broke the law? No way. Look, Commander Spring, I could tell you my ID's a genuine mistake. Which would be your mistake, as we both know that's a lie. I... I wanted to see what it was like before telling him who I was. Fake ID suggests you're up to no good. I needed a job where I could get close to him, and a fake ID so he didn't recognise the name Knox. Those kids on your screen, are they missing, or what? I'm giving a speech to a United Nations conference on global law enforcement. One family in space. Not my title. One family. Good luck with that. I've arranged moon base quarters for you. You're confined to those quarters until we arrange passage back to Earth, Miss Knox. Confined to quarters? What, sense my room like a kid? Well, I could always arrange a detention cell. Tell my dad he knows where to find me. If he wants to find me. Oh, yes. You're a little devious, all right. Kenzie and Alice left already? Yeah, they took a shuttle. I visited the Shaman one when it went operational. It's an impressive facility. The parent company, ZGG, has deep pockets. Yeah, well, an accident doesn't look good for them. Nor do fake security credentials look good for us. No. When are you going to speak to Sophie? Oh, I'm working out what to say. Colin. She's on fake ID. She's committed an offence. She also saved Kenzie's life when Navarro was going to shoot her. My point is, I can only keep her on the moon for so long before I'll have to ship her back to Earth. I can't delay that much more than a day. You need to speak to your daughter. My daughter? Oh, Nathan, I still can't get my head round it. You could start by talking with her. Screen on. Connect me to Professor Max Fleming on the Shaman One station. Max Fleming. Chief Superintendent Pal Kenzie here, Professor. I've got Inspector Alice Okoro with me. We'll be docking very shortly. How's Jessie Martin? I'm with her now. She's doing fine. Fine as in sitting up with a cuppa? Or stable? As in a 26-year-old female, loss of consciousness, HR Taggy 128, oxygen sats 85 on air. 
Mild head trauma, sedated, intubated, results pending antimicrobial intervention. No cuppa then? Hardly. We're grateful for the update. Our shuttle will handshake with your docking computer in, uh, Alice? Uh, six minutes. Six minutes. See you at the airlock? I'll put the kettle on. That was a joke. Ha ha ha. Screen off. A joke? <laughs> He's got to work on his material. Come on, where is it? Knock, knock. What do you want? What you looking for? Your lot said all my stuff from Luna Logistics was in this case. If they've nicked it... There you are. A hip flask? Oh, lovely. Because you ain't in enough trouble. Mmm, Napoleon brandy. What are you going to do, arrest me? I think we should chat. Sadly... Without the brandy. Hello? Professor Fleming? Wait there for now, please. It's Chief Superintendent Kenzie, Professor. Are you here? One moment. A sanitization protocol is required for all visitors. Activating now. The station is one big laboratory, so be wary of any bacteria being brought in. Sanitization complete. I'll be right with you. You may remove your helmets now. Chief Superintendent, Inspector, welcome to Shaman One. Nice to meet you, Professor. Ah, I notice you're carrying weapons. They're not allowed on the shaman. We're authorised to carry them. Not in my lab. No exceptions. Please deposit them in this locker. They'll be quite safe. All right, I guess. If it's a strict rule. Alice? Sure. Thank you. I'm surprised to find you have gravity. In places. The circumference, housing the control deck, living quarters, medical unit, and, of course, this docking area, rotates to exert centrifugal force, mimicking Earth gravity. Sounds similar to the system they have on the Ronald Reagan. We need to maintain zero gravity and close to perfect vacuum in the growing hangars and labs. I'll show you round. Can we see Jesse Martin? In due course. It's a prescribed route, I'm afraid. When we reach the end of the corridor, we'll be weightless, and you'll need helmets on for the next section. It's Growing Hangar 1, where the magic happens. Here we are. As I said, it's zero gravity here. There are handholds on the wall. Whoa! It's ginormous! How big are the crystals you grow? Oh, they're minuscule, but up to 60% bigger than on Earth, and with fewer imperfections. This station is named after astronaut Helen Sharman. She learned on the Soviet Mir station in the last century that protein crystals form perfectly and grow rapidly in zero gravity. What are those floating lights? Growth pods for experimental cultures, like stars, aren't they? Sometimes I sleep here, bobbing about in my spacesuit among my crystals and machines. How long have you worked for zero gravity growing, Professor? Just over two years, though I think of it as a partnership. You're a partner in the company? 
I'm a research scientist, free to pursue knowledge in a way I never could on Earth. The owner, Pep Badusa, is a rare combination of courageous foresight and limitless finance. Pep Badusa. What else can you tell us about him? I don't have much to do with him. Can you take us to Jessie? We need to speak to her too. I'm afraid you may have to wait a while for that. She's sedated. She needs to rest. Surely you can't manage her here, Professor. On your own, with all these other responsibilities? Wouldn't she be better at Moonbase? If she goes anywhere, it will be to a ZGG company medical facility on Earth. But I was lead clinical scientist at my last hospital. If Jessie relapses or shows signs of infection, I can respond quickly. So where did the accident happen? The Hangar 3 sluice. The where? Lab sluice. A large industrial washroom with machines and sinks for cleaning equipment. Also for the secure disposal of chemicals and waste. Look, I don't want to cast aspersions when Jessie can't account for herself. You think she made a mistake? She was flushing toxic samples, and I believe she made a catastrophic error. It's the only explanation. Why else would the sluice seal for cleaning with her inside? She wound up like this from cleaning. What about those cuts and bruises? Our sluice has a two-stage process. Once vessels and equipment are cleaned, the sluice itself is flushed. Like being spun in an industrial vacuum cleaner, loaded with chemicals and antimicrobially resistant pathogens. In Jessie's case, it seems the chemical flush started immediately for some reason. Jessie was knocked off her feet. I'm still working out what, if anything, has infected those lacerations. Were you nearby? I wish I was. Here. I thought these might be helpful. What are these? My written statement, while it was fresh in my mind. Accident report, photographs of Jessie's injuries and the sluice room. Medical tests, potential contaminants, side effects and protocols for each. Very thorough of you. You can take it with you. We can study them here. Excuse me? We have an investigation to carry out. For one thing, we'll need to examine the scene of the incident. Haven't you wasted enough of my time? Place this size, you won't even notice we're here. You have no idea what I notice. The tiniest agitations, deviations in schedule may impact results in ways I cannot evaluate. Weeks of work, expensive experiments, jeopardized by your blundering around. We'll keep the blundering to a minimum, Professor. But we are staying and doing our job. Just see you don't interfere with mine. Fleming's incident report is extremely thorough. It sounds like it. Bloke probably has a standard protocol for cutting his toenails. <sighs> it looks like an accident as it stands. But I've got a feeling. Something about how Max gets far more animated talking about his butts than his human co-worker. Keep me posted. I tried to get in touch with Davis to help with the background, but I couldn't raise him. He's talking to Sophie. Good to hear. What do you need for background? Anything on Jesse Martin, for a start. Although Paul should be meeting a parents round about now, that will tell us something. What else? I could also do with some gen on the company, ZGG including the owner, Pep Badooza, and anything we can find on the Shaman Orbiter. All right, I'll see what I can do. Thanks. I'll get back to Alice and we'll make a start. Good luck. Screen off. Box? Yes, Nathan? 
What can you tell me about the company ZGG and the Sharman One Orbiter? The Sharman One is named after Helen Sharman, the first British astronaut. She joined the crew of Soyuz TM-12 as part of the Soviet Mir program in 1991 and cultivated seedlings and protein crystals in space. And the company? Zero Gravity Growing is the owner and operator of Sharman One. Pep Beduzzi is owner and operator of ZGG. Oh, and what can you tell me about Mr. Beduzzi? Well? I can find no personal information on him so far, other than his ownership of that company. Well, that's odd. Well, perhaps he's a recluse or shy. He may be both. Or he may be something else altogether. Big finish for the love of stories.